So today we will complete our uh, series in the book of Ruth. And we will focus our attention in Ruth chapter 4, verse 7, 21. I like to read some verses from Ruth chapter 4, starting with verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I have, brought, uh, I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Mahlon to be my wife. I have acquired Ruth the Moabites, the widow of Mahlon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on in his inheritance so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. Verse 11, all the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses. Redemption in the context of Israel was a legal transaction. Sa Pilipinas, ang tawag sa redemption ay pagtubos. So may isinanlaka sa phone shop, pinigang ka ng certificate kasama ng pera, iniwanan mo yung isinanla mo, tapos bago dumating yung date ng transaction, babalik ka at tutubusin mo yung isinanla mo. Ano bang isinasanla? What do you sell or what do you put in pawn in the ancient times? Two things. Number one are properties and second, people. So when a person becomes too poor, what he will do is he will sell, he will loan the property. And later on, if he really becomes poor, he will even sell himself. But in the Israelite tradition, property and people are owned by God. And, you know, they cannot be disposed as a permanent um, possession of the buyer. So the property and the person are given opportunity to redeem back that property or himself. But when the person and the owner of the property become too poor that he cannot redeem the property or himself, Leviticus 25 says, a brother, a relative, an uncle, 
can do the redemption. The redemption always involves a price. The relative has to pay. And the one who is given the privilege or the responsibility to redeem is a closest relative. And the closest relative was a brother. If the brother is not able, then the cousin or the uncle or the grandfather and second level relatives. But whoever will redeem should be able. Dapat may pera siya. Dapat willing siya na tumubos. And the third, he must be willing to sacrifice. Because when you redeem the property, what will happen is you will also have to marry the widow. And then your first son will inherit the property that you bought. And because he is also your firstborn son, he will also inherit half of your property. So half of your property will be lost to the deceased person. Redemption transaction involves witnesses. It is not a talk between two people only. There has to be a witness. And the last, I like this. When Israelites make a redemption transaction, they involve the Lord. In Ruth chapter 4, 11, May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And then, of course, it involves faith. And look at the statement in Ruth chapter 4, 11. May you achieve wealth in Ephrata and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. Well, take note that Ruth was a widow. She was married to Malon, and they did not have a child. But look at the statement of faith. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So the community is pronouncing blessing to Boaz that after he redeemed Ruth, Boaz will have a child. So as we complete the series in the book of uh, Ruth, I like to share four blessings of redemption so that we can appreciate the redemptive work of Jesus for us. Let's look at the first blessing. In Ruth chapter 1, something happened. In verse 1, it came about in the days when judges governed that there was a famine in the land. You know, it's a simple statement, but in the mind of the narrative writer, 
there was already you know something that should shock the reader and why is that look at the words i underlined the family of elimelech were ephraimites who were the ephraimites ephraim is one of the 12 sons uh, Ephra joseph is one of the 12 sons of uh, jacob and joseph had two sons manasseh and Ephraim. The word Ephraim, which comes from the Hebrew word para, means fruit or fruitfulness. And then where, where were they living? In Bethlehem. Beth is a house. Lechem is food or bread. So they were living in the land of food, in the land of bread, and this tribe was a fruitful tribe. And the father of the house was Eli Melech. Eli is my God. Melech means king. But if that was the case, why was there a famine? Nowadays, some Christians are asking this question too. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and enjoy life abundantly, and I received Jesus, made him Lord, king of my life, but why am I still in poverty? Why is there famine in my life? Why is there famine in my work? Why is there famine in my relationship? And sometimes we are angry with God. But take note of what I put in bold print. What was the setting of the story? In the days when the judges governed. So what was happening in those days? In Judges 21-25, the last verse of the book, summarizing why that book was called the Dark Ages of the Old Testament. Judges will rise up to help the people, and then after the judges led the people to victory, they'll go down again, and then they become slaves again. And that cycle went on and on and on. And for many Christians' lives, that's the case too. Our lives are like an endless cycle of ups and downs. And the writer of that book expressed the reason. In Judges 21-25, in those days, there was no king in Israel. There was no human king. And what was the problem? Everyone did what was right in his own eye. I'm sorry, but this is our postmodern world today. Each one is doing what is right in his own eyes. The standards of morality, the standards of law are being set aside and people want to do things based on their feelings, based on what they believe is right. So if they think that they are white, although they are brown, they have the right to think they are white. If they want to believe that they are, you know, 
uh, women, when in fact they are men, you know, you cannot discriminate them. You need to respect them. You need to uphold their rights to feel a certain way. Now, the problem with that mentality, according to the wise man of the Bible, in Proverbs 12, verse 6, he wrote, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. How blessed are children who still listen to counsel. But it's a tragedy when children are raised up without any guidance, without any parameters, and they are allowed just to do what is right in their own eyes. In Psalm 127, the psalmist said, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor will labor in vain. Unless the Lord protects the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So without the Lord in the equation, like in the book of Judges, it will be dark. And many kinds of famines will happen. Look at the sample in the prophets. In Isaiah 31 verse 1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. So the Israelites, instead of going to God, instead of calling upon God, would rather go back to Egypt and trust their horses and their soldiers. And God later on will say to Isaiah, your Egypt will be your shame and their power will bring you down. Because instead of trusting God, you trusted in them. The very thing that you put your trust into will become your snare, will become your source of pain. There was an old hymn I learned in college which says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know, God is just waiting for us to consult him, for us to ask him, but we would rather consult and ask others, those with eyes but who cannot see, those with noses who cannot smell, those with ears who cannot hear, instead of trusting God. But here is the good news. In that setting of emptiness, of famine, you will find that in the latter part of the story, Naomi returned. And the timing of her return was at the beginning 
of barley harvest. So what a contrast, a famine and a harvest. But to move from the famine to the harvest, Naomi had to do something. And what was that? Twice. Return. Return. The Hebrew word shub is translated in the New Testament, repent. Repent so that the kingdom of God will come upon you. And when Naomi returned with Ruth, Ruth stayed with her. And look at Ruth chapter 2.23, after one chapter. So Ruth stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest, and not only barley harvest, until the end of the wheat harvest. So from famine, Naomi was now experiencing harvest unto harvest. How can that happen? How can a poor widow who has no family ever experience fullness, harvest again? Well, the key is found in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. Naomi arose to come back to the land for she heard, she heard in the land of Moab the good news that the Lord visited his people in giving them food. So he was in a foreign land, but she heard in the foreign land that the Lord visited his people there in Bethlehem and made Bethlehem house of bread again. So what moved emptiness to fullness is the good news of the Lord's visitation. And having heard about the Lord's visitation, Naomi decided to act upon it and return. But pastor, in my life, I don't think God has visited me. In fact, the worst is true. I feel God has abandoned me. God does not listen to my prayer. Sometimes I even doubt whether God exists. In the Philippines, when we start the month with a bear, we already think about December. <laughs> we have a long Christmas season. And those who are kind of depressed, those who are kind of down, will postpone their depression for the meantime. Why? Because there is a good news ahead. And what is that good news? You know, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, an angel said to the bored shepherds, do not be scared, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you what kind of news? Good news, and not just good news, of great joy. And not just good news of great joy, good news of great joy which shall be for all the people. 
not just for the Jewish people, but for all the people. For today, today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What Naomi experienced in her time, what the shepherds experienced in their time, can also be your and my experience in our time. The Savior can visit us. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Repent and return so that you may experience refreshment that will come from the God, from the Lord who is appointed for you, Christ Jesus. So if you are so down, if you are so depressed, if you are so helpless and hopeless, why don't you ask Jesus to visit you nowadays? I remember Zacchaeus. He was rich. He was known in Jericho. He was a cheap tax collector. But he has a big problem. Not only that he was small, his name meant righteous. But everyone in the community think of him as a sinner, a great sinner. So there was an imbalance in his life. On one hand, your parents, yourself, think you are righteous, but the people around you think otherwise. So how can that be harmonized? Jesus came to Jericho. And you know what Jesus said to him? Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. I must stay in your house today. And Zacchaeus hurried, came down, and welcomed Jesus. The neighborhood, you know, they were gossiping. He came to a house of a sinner. But you know what the text says? Jesus said to him, Today, today, salvation has come into your house. When Jesus visits you, when Jesus visits your family, when Jesus visits a certain setting, redemption can come. Redemption can happen. Second, blessing of redemption. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 3, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, when they stayed in land of Moab, died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. And the two sons took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. 10 years is quite a long time. What happened in those 10 years? Or after 10 years? Both Mahlon and Kalion also died. So Naomi was not only emptied materially, Naomi lost not just her husband, but her two sons. That's where the word destitute applies. You are left with no one, with nothing. So as I said before, if you are a widow, a young widow, you will end up a prostitute. If you are an old widow, 
you will end up as a beggar. So that is the future of widows in those times. That's why Naomi said to the women of Bethlehem, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Can you imagine you left your place, you sold your property because you wanted to live. And now that you went to a foreign land, you end up losing your husband. And then after 10 years, losing your sons. What's this? So that's a bad news. But here is the good news. In the end of our book, something happened. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, referring to Ruth, like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar brought forth to Judah through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. So what happened? Boaz, an old man, took Ruth. She became his wife. He went into her. Look at the narrative. Pang, pang, pang. And what's the conclusion? The Lord enabled her to conceive. The deadness of the womb of Ruth was given life by the Lord and she gave birth to a son. You know, Naomi did not just lose her husband and her sons. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 up to 21, like many Filipinos who did not make it in, in being OFWs abroad, they do not only lose their years, they lose their face. They lose their honor. When they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred up because of them. And the women said, is this Naom? The word Naomi means delightful, pleasant, beautiful. But now they were saying, is this Naomi? So she said to them, to stop the talks. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? The Lord has witnessed against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. Masama ang loob niya. May tampo siya sa Panginoon. My dear brethren in Breadcom, many times, many Christians cannot express their, their sentiment, negative sentiment to God. We can express our negative sentiments about people and circumstances, but not to God. Because when we do that, at the back of our mind, we think 
we will be sinning against God. So we do not want to compound our miseries. But when you don't express that kind of sentiment, what happens to your mental situation? What happens? In 2019, January and last September 9, two pastors, both of mega churches, Jared Wilson and there's another one, both of them committed suicide, pastors. In 2015, three pastors committed suicide. In 2011, three U.S. pastors killed themselves. That's what happened when we are not able to cast, to throw, to express our cares, even the negative ones, to God. How many missionaries are living lonely lives? How many pastors who are preaching on Sunday, seemingly telling the people what to believe, and yet deep inside, they are struggling with their own beliefs? How many pastors' wives are smiling at people on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, but deep inside, they are angry with their husband pastors? And yet they cannot express those feelings. This lady was brave enough to open, out, to open up how he felt during those days. And her primary target of her pains was not people, was not her husband. It was the Almighty. The Almighty dealt very bitterly with me. The Lord brought me back empty. The Lord witnessed against me. The Almighty has afflicted me. In Psalm 22, verse 1, David said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, till you hear my cry? So many Christians are suffering in quiet desperation because they are not able to do what this lady has done to express the bitterness of their soul and the resulting shame in their lives. If you had been a pastor for many years and after many years your church is not growing, worse, people left your church. How would you handle that? And then one of your children is a drug addict and another you know, child is pregnant out of wedlock. How, how do you handle that? We experience bitterness and shame in our lives. And our tendency is when we suffer those things, we hide. We don't tell no one. So we are suffering in our little corner. We fellowship when there is birthday, we fellowship when there are good things to share. But do we fellowship and share when we go through bitterness, 
when we go through shame, you know, sometimes, or most of the times, we, we, we distance ourselves from people. We don't want them to know. We don't want them to be affected. Well, if God is not in the equation of our shamefulness and bitterness, we are just like anybody else. But there is a goodness in the story. Something happened in chapter 4. By the way, I'm a teacher in seminary. I just gave you a quiz. Which of these two pictures represent the ending of the story? Picture 1, the left one. In the left one, you find Ruth holding on a baby behind her was Boaz, and on the right of Ruth was Naomi. Or this one. It was Naomi who was holding on to the baby, and Boaz and Ruth were on the left side, and the community is around them. Which one is accurate? Okay, those who say it's the left picture, can you raise your hand? I did not say smile. I said raise your hand. Ah, nobody. What about the picture on the right? Ah, most of you. Most of you. The other way to ask this question is, who, if you are giving an award, FAMAS award for best uh, character, whom will you give the award to? Is it Boaz and Ruth or Naomi? So the main character is the story, as far as many are concerned, is Ruth and Boaz. But the name Ruth appears in the text 15 times, Boaz name 19 times. But the name of the Lord is 16 times and Naomi 22 times. So the story is not the redemption of Ruth. No, you are misreading the story. The story is the redemption of Naomi. And then later on, the redemption of all of us. And I will share that as we go along. Okay, so let's uh, continue. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 14, remember chapter 1? The women are talking. Is this Naomi? But look at in the ending of the story. Then the women said to Naomi, by the way, they were not calling her Mara. Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. And may his name become famous in Israel. May he be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you. Oh, those of you who have sons, start praying na that uh, you will have daughter-in-law who are better than seven sons. <laughs> your your daughter-in-law who loves you is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Who had a baby? As far as the community is concerned, 
who had the son? Who had the baby? Uh, Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and she became his, his, ano, his nurse. Hindi sinabing, she became his grandma. No, his nurse. So some scholars are thinking, are saying, suggesting that Naomi had milk. But I will not go that far. <laughs> the neighbor women gave him a name. So it was, it's very rare. Usually the father gives the son a name or the mother gives the son a name. But in this case, the community where shame and honor happened gave a name to the son who was born. And they said, the long name is a son has been born to, to, did they make a mistake? No, of course not. That was intentional. So they named him, this is the nickname, <laughs> Obed. The name Obed means servant. She, he will be a servant to Naomi. Because Boaz and Ruth may have other children. But this son, Obed, will be a son to Naomi. He will take the place of Elimelech, of Malun. But the blessing of redemption is not just threefold. There is a bonus. In Ruth chapter 4.17, after naming him Obed, the writer took the liberty to put editorial updating. Because the story, the story has supposed to be ended with 4.17. But the editorial updater put, he, Obed, is the father of Jesse, and Jesse is the father of David. So many people are suggesting that the book of Ruth was written during the time of David. But I would rather uh, suggest it is an editorial updating. And then, Ruth 4.18 says, Now these are the generations of Perez. So it went back to Genesis. Perez, Hezron, Ram, Aminadab, Abinadab, Ashon, Nashon, Salmon, Boaz, and then Obed. So what was the writer doing? The writer was connecting the story of Ruth with what happened in Genesis and projecting it to Matthew chapter 1. Okay? Because in Matthew chapter 1, you will find the genealogy of Jesus from Abraham to David, then David to the deportation to Babylon, deportation to Babylon to Jesus. So without the book of Ruth, the genealogy will have a missing link. So this book is very pivotal to the story. And then the prayer, may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. That was fulfilled in two ways. 
who were the most famous character or personality in Bethlehem? Of course, David, because he became the most loved king of Israel. But after a thousand years, the greater son of David, Jesus, whom until today, we use his name in our songs, in our prayers. So let me conclude this message. So Ruth points back and forward to the bigger narrative of redemption. The book of Job, which more likely was written before Ruth, declared a statement of faith. You know, Job lost all his property. Job lost his health. But in Job chapter 19, 25, he declared by faith, As for me, I know my Redeemer lives, and at last he will take his stand on earth to defend me, to deliver me, and to turn around my life for the best. That's the role of the Redeemer. From what are we redeemed from? Or where are we redeemed from? If you survey the whole Bible, they use the word redeem. From evil, all evil, from all distress, from tyrants and enemies that are stronger, from death, from pit, from the power of the sword, from all troubles, from oppression of man, and from all iniquities. So those are the challenges of people in the ancient world. When you experience evil, distress, when you have tyrants and strong enemies, when you are being defeated in battle, when you have all troubles, when you are being oppressed, when you have fallen into sin, your life becomes miserable. But the people of faith in the Old Testament will cry to the Redeemer. And most of the time, not to a human Redeemer. Look at Psalm 78, 35. They remembered that God was their rock and the Most High God their Redeemer. In Isaiah 44, verse 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. There is no God besides me. So in the mind and heart of Old Testament prophets and priests and poets, the best Redeemer is God himself. And then there was a prophecy in Isaiah 59, 20. And the prophet Isaiah wrote, a Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob. Now Isaiah moved from God to God's Messiah. So one day, God's Messiah will become the Redeemer. So God's people in the Old Testament until today, the Jewish people had been waiting for this Redeemer. Now what about us? Should we wait for this Redeemer? 
how come they were waiting for God to redeem them and not from a super avenger or from a super human being? In Psalm 49, 7, the psalmist said, No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of his soul is costly. You may redeem your relative financially, you may redeem your relative from shame, but you cannot redeem your relative's soul because it is costly. And you should cease trying forever. You know, many Filipinos are trying their best to redeem their souls. They will, they will go to Mass. They will pay for Mass. They will do penance so that they can redeem their soul. The psalmist said, stop doing it forever. You cannot. You cannot live by yourself eternally. You cannot spare yourself from undergoing decay. When you die, you will decay. So a human being, an ordinary human being, cannot redeem us. And then Paul wrote in Romans 3.10 the reason why. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So a pastor, an evangelist, a prophet cannot redeem you and me. It's only God who can do it. It's only a Savior who can do it. It's only a Redeemer from God who can do it. And we praise God that someone came to do it. In Galatians 3 verse 11, Paul wrote, No one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices the law shall live by them. But no one has obeyed the law perfectly. That's the bad news. But look at the good news. Christ redeemed us. Tinubos tayo ni Cristo mula sa mga sumpa ng batas. Papaano? By becoming a curse for us. So instead of you and me being cursed by God, being punished by God, being put to shame by God, He took upon Himself those things for me. No wonder it says, Curses every man who hangs on a tree. Okay, Jesus Christ died on the tree for me. So what? Look at the next statement. He did not only die on the cross to cancel off your sins and my sins. Redemption also includes a forward blessing. And what is that? In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles here? Eh, yung iba, ano kayo? So Jesus died on the cross to bring the blessing of Abraham to us, the Gentiles, 
so that we would receive the promise of faith through him. I like Galatians 4.3. While we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. And we know him, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. For what purpose? Not just to heal the sick. Not just to teach great teachings. He came that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, what is our present blessings? We, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. So now we have the Holy Spirit. He who is greater than all the power there is in the world is in you. You can overcome sicknesses. You can overcome any storm in your life. You can even overcome Satan. Because you have the spirit of Christ in you. But not only that, look at verse 7. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, what blessing awaits us in the future? An heir. So kahit wala kang manahin dito sa lupa, dahil walang pamamana ang magulang mo, Christ has something glorious to give you as an inheritance for your eternity and mine. So that's the fourth blessing. So God redeemed us from emptiness to fullness. Now your life may look ordinary, but it can become fruitful. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you so that you may bear fruit and that your fruit will last. So don't curse yourself by telling yourself, I'm too ordinary, nothing good will happen in my life. That's a lie. If you are in Christ, greater things are yet to come. And not only greater things, glorious things will happen. But pastor, I'm a handicapped person, deep inside. You know, I have too many tragedies and traumas in my life. Well, Nick Budichik had no limbs and legs. But he has been blessing thousands of people. He even came to the Philippines twice to share about Christ. You have limbs, you have legs. Many people, their problem is here. No greater things can come in your life because of Jesus. And then second blessing, from deadness to life. You know, we are spiritually dead apart from Christ. But in Christ, we are spiritually alive. The things we cannot do in the past, we now can do by the strength of Christ. Paul said, I can do all things because of him who strengthens me. We have the power of the risen life of Christ. And third, what about the shame? What about the bitterness? You know, God can cause all things in our lives, even the bitterness and the shame. God can turn them for our good and for the good of the people around us. And the last, you know, our blessings are not limited here on earth. There is much more when Jesus Christ comes again. And those blessings have your name, have my name. 
they cannot be stolen. They cannot be corrupted. They cannot be stolen from us by anyone, even Satan. They had been bought, these blessings had been bought, and they are reserved for you and me by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me end with a, a song, but we are privileged because we will hear an actual song. Don't worry, I will not sing. <laughs> you know, so what's the impact of redemption as far as we are concerned? I decided to uh, recite this song now instead of reciting this song only during Holy Week. In uh, a hymn entitled Because He Lives by Bill Geither, he wrote, God sent His Son. They called Him Savior. They called Him Jesus. They called Him Redeemer. He came to love that's the reason why he redeemed us. Not because we look good, not because we do good, no. He redeemed us because he loved us. But he will not only love us, he will heal us. And if we have messed up our lives, he will forgive us. He lived and he died to buy our pardon. And an empty grave is there to prove. You can even go to Israel you can, any, you can go to any corner of Israel and you will not find a bone of Jesus. Whether you go to Holy Sepulchre or whether you go to Garden Tomb, you will find an empty grave. So the chorus says, because Jesus lives, because the Redeemer lives, I'm not scared of tomorrow. I'm not scared of getting old. I'm not scared of becoming senior citizen. Because he lives, all fear is gone. You know, people are now afraid of cancer. People are now afraid of getting old. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth living. Oh, I hope those who kill themselves, those who are planning to commit suicide, will discover that life is worth living. And they will only discover it when they hear about and they experience that this Redeemer Jesus is alive. And you and I have the responsibility to share about that good news. And if there is someone here and your life is full of boredom, your life is shaky, your life has so much shame because of what happened in the past, this afternoon, I'd like to extend to you the gospel invitation. Why don't you come to this Redeemer? Allow him to turn around your shame, your bitterness, your emptiness into something beautiful and fruitful. You have suffered already for quite a time. Don't continue to suffer because you have a Savior today. And if you hold on to Him, ask Him in your life 
you'll discover that life is worth living and you can face tomorrow without any fear. Let's bow down our heads and close our eyes. Our God, thank you for this story. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel is not just for the head. Lord, you have shown us today that the goodness is real and the goodness of the Lord Jesus can truly reverse people's destiny. Lord, if there is anyone here who has been suffering because of shame in his or her life, because of fear, because of anxiety, Lord, today I pray you will grant that person the faith to call upon you because you made a promise whoever calls upon the name of the Lord that person will be redeemed that person's life will be turned around is there anyone today if the Lord has spoken to you and you want to invite Jesus to be a redeemer of your life can you raise your hand and I'll pray with you yes, yes, yes salamat po Yes, yes, yes. Those of you who have raised your hands, say this simple prayer with me from your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done for me on the cross. Today, I believe you. I believe the blessings of your redemption. I offer to you, Lord, my life. I pray and I ask, that you will reverse in the name of Jesus you will reverse my misfortunes like that of Naomi and you will bring about something beautiful so that when people look at my life when people hear about my life story they too will be attracted to Jesus Heavenly Father thank you for welcoming me into your family Thank you, O Holy Spirit, for coming into my life because of Jesus. And beginning today, by your grace, I will live to honor Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen.